Well, today we are starting a new series. It's called Extravagant Love. We'll be in it for a while. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the many-sided aspects of love. Love from the Bible, love from God, love from the, the Word, love that we're to experience in our relationship with Him, that He wants us to have for Him, the love we're to have for one another, the love we're supposed to have for the world. So we're going to take a good look at this issue. My biggest concern, let me just tell you right now, because I can see it on some of your faces. My biggest concern in this is you're going to go, oh man, what can you tell me that I don't already know about love? I've been through 1 Corinthians 13 so many times in church, I can't stand it anymore. Or you're thinking, yeah, blah, 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 I've been there, done that, I, I think I've got a handle on love. Well, I want to encourage you to open your hearts and to open your minds and to open your spirits to hear from God during this series. Because I believe that even some of us old farts who have been around for a long time walking with Jesus can be ignited, reignited in a way that will really be good for us. And some of you who have recently fallen in love with him, you're thinking, well, man, of course I love the Lord. Well, let us help you understand as we walk through this series together what that looks like. I don't think there's ever been a time in history where love has been talked about, sung about, written about more than, than it is right now in our culture. But I believe there's an awful lot of confusion. I honestly do. I think there's a lot of confusion in our culture about what love truly is and isn't. In fact, the word love is used so often and thrown around so loosely that in some ways the real power of that word and the real power of, of, of love has been diluted and diminished in many ways. People say, and you've heard it, I've said it, I love ice cream or brownies. How many of you love ice cream and brownies? My favorite dessert. I love ice cream and, and brownies. We say that and almost in the same sentence we'll say, well, I love my spouse or I love God. Can those really be the same? Should they be the same? We say, well, I love the Mariners, or I love the Seahawks, or I love, you know, fill in your favorite team. And we usually do, till they start to lose, and then we have different feelings for them. Is love really that fickle? And the question I, I want us to wrestle with in this series is, do we really understand love? Is it really understood in our world when a spouse says, I love you? Do we know what that means? When a parent says to a child, I love you, do we understand the depth of that? Or when we say to God, I love you, Lord, I love you, God, do we understand what that really should look like, what that really means? In a recent poll, 94% of Americans say they believe in God. Now, I'm not sure I believe in that survey, because uh, that's, that's shocking to me. But I read it, and I thought, wow, but even if it's off by 30%, still a high percentage of Americans say they believe in God. Now, I'm not quite sure what God that is for them. But they say they believe in God. But what disturbed me was only 13% of those people who say they believe in God say they have a deep and transforming relationship or faith in Him. All these people who say, I believe in God. He's out there somewhere. Sure, I believe in a higher power or whatever. But they, only 13% say that they have a, a deep and transforming faith and relationship with God. I want to suggest to you that something is missing. That that's not the way it should be. Somehow there's this disconnect, and, and something is way off in our understanding of what it means to have a relationship, a love relationship with a father. This may be a shock to some of you, but listen carefully. Here's a little insight to you, for you. God's not looking for fans. He's looking for followers. God's not looking for people just to believe in his existence, but for people who will exist for him, disciples who will live for him. James 2.19, James wrote, the demons, devils believe in God. And they shudder. So belief in God is a good beginning. It's okay. But the fact of the matter is God desires so much more. He desires a personal and intimate relationship with you. And I know because I talk to people all the time and sometimes they go, 
well, what does that mean and what does that look like? And when you say personal and intimate, there's a part of us that kind of goes, ooh, with God. Or I don't know what that's going to be like or, or what, how, what, does that mean I got to go, you know, be some Jesus freak, radical, crazy person who's, I want you to understand as we walk through this series what it means to have a personal and intimate love relationship with God where that love relationship affects everything about everything in your life, where it affects everything about everything in your existence. I used to know a guy who was uh, really into antique guns, and I mean fanatical about antique guns. He read about them. He researched about them. He studied them. He watched TV programs about them. I didn't even know there were TV programs about antique guns, but he would watch them. He would, could tell you anything you wanted to know and way more than you wanted to know about antique guns. He would spend too much money on buying them. He would dream about them. It was something that just filled his life, antique guns. And some of you think, well, I don't know. I can relate to that. Okay, well, let me dial this up. Ladies, shoes. Pat Ball, are you here? I'd love to pick on Patty. Maybe it's cars or maybe it's whatever. For me, you know, I, I get pretty passionate about my grandkids. They're all busy right now and having a blast with them. And this guy was passionate about that. And I want you to understand that when we love something passionately, when we're intense about it, when we have deep and strong feelings about it, then that's the way it is. We go a little crazy. We get a little compulsive. It's obvious to everybody, wow, that guy really likes, fill in the blank, really loves antique guns. And the question I want to ask you right now is who or what in your life means that much to you? And by the way, it's okay to have passions. Am I thinking I'm going to blast the guy who had a love for antique guns? No, not at all. The real issue, though, for me is, is it reasonable to have that kind of radical love for God? And when I talked about what are you passionate about, and that thing or that person came to your mind, do you have that or more in terms of your love for God? I want to read you a passage this morning. It's really going to be the text we'll walk through. It's found in Psalm 63. And it's written by a guy named David. King David uh, is fairly famous for his intimate love of God. And uh, this psalm is one of my favorites, and I'm just going to pick it up in verse 1 of Psalm 63. David says, you are my God. I worship you. In my heart, I long for you. We'll come back to that, but I want you to see this word. I long for you. As I would long for a stream in a scorching desert. Ever been thirsty? So that's how much I long for you, God. I've seen your power and your glory in the place of worship. Your love means more than life to me, and I praise you. As long as I live, I will pray to you. Verse 5, I will sing joyful praises and be filled with excitement like a guest at a banquet. Like, like I felt yesterday about this big family meal that my wife made for us. It was awesome. And, and had all my kids, all 14, and we're all gathered there with my grandchildren, all together sitting at this table. I said, I, David says, I'll sing praises, joyful praises, and be filled with excitement like a guest might be at a banquet. Verse 6, I think about you before I go to sleep, and my thoughts turn to you during the night. I think David is this great example of what can happen when we love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and why God's love matters most and why it should. And so let me walk through some things this morning, and we're going to be in this uh, series for a while, but let me open it with the, these four things that I want you to understand. Here's the first one. Number one, when we understand God's love for us, we will find our satisfaction in him and desire him above all else. I am absolutely convinced of this truth. That when you get it, to the degree that you get it, to the degree that you walk in an awareness of it and, and live here day in and day out, that when you understand God's love for you, you will find your satisfaction 
in him and desire him above all else. Doesn't mean other, other things won't be a desire to you or, or you won't find some satisfaction in other things or other relationships. But above all, you'll find it in God. David said, you are my God. I worship you in my heart. I long for you. I ache for you as a guy would for a drink of water in a dry, thirsty desert. David says, I long for you, God. That's how bad I need you. More than my next breath, I want you. Verse 3, your love means more than life to me. What's he saying? God, more than my next breath, more than the next moment I might have on planet Earth, your love means more to me. If I were to use some modern-day metaphors that we might be able to relate to, because I don't know how many of you have ever been in a desert dying of thirst, maybe it'd be like, um, God, I long for you like a woman might long for chocolate. Or like a rat might long for Cheeto. God, I long for you. I was talking to a teenage boy a couple weeks ago, and he was going on and on about Penelope Cruz, and I could tell he was madly in love with that woman. Had to break it to him. Dude, you're never going to meet her. Just give it up. But he longed for a date with Penelope Cruz, you know, and, and you think, well, that's silly, but he had that longing. Or maybe, maybe this will dial up for some of you. You long for God, maybe like a Washington State Cougar longs for a football victory. <laughs> yes, you long. You long. That's what David says, God, I long for you more than anything else. Laura and I, my wife, uh, we were high school sweethearts, and I first met her when I was a junior and she was, she was a senior, which I guess makes her a cougar too. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and, and I, I, I got to tell you, I mean, I had to pursue this woman. She was a hard, hard case. I stalked her. I found out her, her schedule. Her friends, Roberta, Denise, and Julie, hated me because I kept showing up all the time when they were doing things in places. And I just, I pursued her. Most of my junior year in high school, I pursued her. Why? Because I was passionately in love. I longed for a relationship with this woman. Now, I will admit to you, it started with, I was madly in lust with her. But it became madly love. And I, and I, I, I would long to be with her. And David says, God, more than anything, I long to know you. I long for your love. There may be a lot of things or relationships we long for. And, and not all of them, by any means, evil or wrong. But nothing, listen to me, guys, nothing and no one more worthy of our love than God. Nothing and no one more worthy of our attention and our affection than him. Again, in the weeks to come, I'll make this pretty clear, but let me be clear today. When we truly understand the amazing and unmerited love of God, the incredible, undeserved, unmerited, amazing love of God for us. When we get it, get it, it will affect us at a deep level. It'll affect our value system, the things that matter to us. It'll affect our desires. It'll affect our longings. In fact, again, to the degree that we get it, the love of God will permeate our souls and our hearts and our beings, kind of like a stain gets on, I got mustard on a white t-shirt the other day. I think it's going to be there until Jesus comes back or I get rid of the t-shirt. Kind of like that. When, when, you, when you have that impact from the love of God, it permeates your soul. It gets into you and, and through you. And, and you are forever changed by it. In fact, the single greatest life effector, it's my deep conviction, the single greatest life effector on the planet is the love of God. Why? Because it changes everything about everything when we know it. When you get it, it changes everything about everything. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians 3, and it really was his prayer for the church in Ephesus, and it's my prayer for you. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is, the love of God is for you. 
May you experience the love of Christ. Experience it. Not just know it here. Not just hear about it. Not just, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. God loves me. I get it already. Not just memorize John 3, 16. May you experience the love of God. Though it is too great to fully understand, to completely understand, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Paul's prayer for the church and my prayer for us is that you'll see it better than you ever have before. That you'll understand how wide and how deep and how amazing the love of God is for us. Even though, in truth, we're never going to completely understand it. When you get the love of God for you, you, you'll long for him more than all else. Here's the second thing. Number two. When we understand God's love for us, we will live with a sense of wonder. With a sense of wonder. Verse 2, David says in Psalm 63, I've seen your power and your glory in the place of worship. David's place of worship would have been the Jewish tabernacle. Basically a big tent. Canvas, covered area, space designed by God, where God, in the Old Testament words, presence dwelt. And, and David says, I long for you. But what you need to know is that David didn't long for a place. He longed for a person. Where do I get that idea from? We'll look at it again. I've seen your power and your glory. It's you. It's, I've seen your power and your glory. And it just happens to be I've seen it in this place of worship. But God, I've seen you. You know, as much as I really do like our place of worship here in a former Kmart and dollar store. And it's awesome and I love it. It's what causes me to wonder. What brings me to a place of wonder is not a place but it's his presence and his power in the lives of people being demonstrated through lives every day. I, I just had a conversation with a couple in the back telling me about an encounter they had with a, a marriage mentoring couple where God changed their life. I had a conversation with a guy about three or four weeks ago standing right over here. And with tears streaming down his face, he told me, I, I've been away from God, away from church for over 10 years. And I I wanted to do anything to do with church. Somebody invited me to come here. I came, and, I, and God's rocking my world in and, and a good way. I had a conversation with a young woman not too long ago who was contemplating suicide. I kid you not. Thinking about ending her life until she experienced the love of Jesus right here. And God spoke to her and said, I love you. Don't go there. Don't do that. And it changed her life couple met me in the hallway back uh, about probably a month or so ago, and they, uh, with, with joy on their face, said, I, we just got to tell you, our marriage was saved right here. We were on the brink of ending, pulling a plug, walking away from each other, and we were desperate. We went for help. Pastor Brian connected us with a marriage mentoring couple, and, and today, we love each other more than we ever have before, and it's because of what God's doing right here. A wife, and I've heard this so many times, a wife came to me and she said, I got to tell you, this is the first place that my husband wants to come to. Thank you for making it a safe place for him. Guys, I could go on and on and on and on and tell you story after story. Almost weekly. I could say weekly, but I'll be safe. Almost weekly, I get an email, a conversation, a phone call, a something from somebody saying, God is moving and changing and, and impacting my life. And when I hear those stories, trust me, I don't go, how great am I? Isn't this cool? Look at how great I am. That never crosses my mind. Not one time. Here's what happens every time. Oh, God, you're so good. Your wonder. Like David, I can say I've seen your wonder in a simple little place in the backside of nowhere called Spokane and East Point where I've seen your power, I've seen your glory demonstrated. And it is the love of God that is changing people. And David says, I've seen it. And it causes me to, be, to wonder at your love. Here's the next thing. The natural expression of wonder is praise. 
When you see, think about the last time you saw this incredible sunset. I mean, or maybe if you're a morning person, sunrise. And you just, I mean, it just took your breath away. Wow, look at that. It's almost impossible not to say something, isn't it? I mean, even out loud, if there's nobody around you, wow, that is so cool. Look at that. Or you run in to get the camera, and by the time you get back, the sun's, you know, you miss it. But we are filled with wonder, and the natural expression of wonder is praise. Oh, my goodness, God, thank you. David said, your love means more than life to me, and I will praise you. Verse 5, he says, I will sing joyful praises and be filled with excitement. This is the expression of David's heart because he experienced the love of God. Your love changed me, and out of that, because of that, there's this response of praise and worship to you. Now I know, trust me, I know that life is hard sometimes. I know that all too often we experience anything but happy circumstances. A dear couple in our church going through a really tough time, just talked with them this morning, and he's dealing with some very, very struggle, huge struggles in his body right now. And I love these guys, and, and I know how difficult it can be. But all too often for us, what happens is when we just put our focus on things that are tough and, and the not happy circumstances in our life, it's hard to be filled with praise. It really is. I know. But what we find in David and what we find in many of the great men and women throughout the Bible is a joy based not, listen to me, not on the condition of their lives, not on circumstances, but on the awareness of the love of God. In the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their darkest, toughest moment, they, they, they are people filled with this sense of God and this even praise for him because it's not based on circumstances. The Apostle Paul, again, who lived an extremely hard life, if you've read any of the, the book of Acts, you can see a guy who just really did not have it easy. I mean, he got shipwrecked and was stoned. Tried, they tried to stone him to death and persecuted and abused everywhere he went. It was tough, tough life. Traveled throughout you know, much of the known world back then on foot. It wasn't like he got on the, in a Humvee or, or took a flight somewhere. And, and dangers everywhere. But Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 1.3. He said, give praise to, to the God. Give thanks. Give praise to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this next phrase. He is the Father who gives tender love. We can give praise to God because he's the Father who tenderly loves us and comfort comes from him. Paul knew hardship and he knew struggle. In fact, uh, most believe he suffered some sort of physical ailment, maybe something to do with his eyes. But the source and the focus of his praise was the Father who tenderly loved him and comforted him in the midst of his trials. He said, give praise to the Father of all comfort, who tenderly loves us in the midst of our struggles. Many years ago, I uh, went to visit a friend in the hospital, and she had been battling with cancer for quite a while. In fact, just a couple of days before I uh, went to visit her, she'd had a... a uh, double mastectomy and, and incredible struggle. And as I approached her door, and, and I typically will do this, especially if it's partly closed or all the way closed, I was listening to see if a doctor was in there, a nurse, or what was going on, if she had other family or pe people there. And I'm just trying to be sensitive, and I, so I leaned in to listen to about this much of the door that was cracked. And for some reason, thank God, she was in a room all by herself, which was a real blessing for her. But she's laying there in the bed, and here's what I hear coming out of this room, and I kid you not, and I'm going to try to get through this without breaking down. I'm bawling completely. She's singing that old song. I keep falling in love with him. 
over and over and over and over again. And I'm hearing this song from this woman. And I start to cry out in the hallway. I go to encourage her, and here I'm getting blessed. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. And I am, at this point, losing it out in the hallway. Not sure if I should go in. Didn't want to interrupt the moment. Waited for her to finish. And then this phrase, oh, what joy between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him. Over and over and over and over again. And then she just began to pray. I just heard this whisper. Well, I, I knocked at the door and went in. And, and I spent the next 15, 20 minutes sitting there with her, listening to her tell me how I need to be encouraged by the Lord. And I went there to encourage her. What she was and will, ever be, will be for me is this example of, of someone who in the midst of great struggle understood that you could focus on this or you can focus on him. She sang, in fact, to be honest with you, it's a little off-key, but it was the most beautiful sound that I've ever heard because it was the sound of a heart filled with praise because she knew the love of God. She knew that she was loved by him. Guys, if and when we comprehend the tender love of God for us, when you get it, the response of your hearts will be praise beyond reason. People won't even get it around you. Trust me. They'll say, what are you smoking? What are you thinking? What are you on? What? How can you? And, the, and they will not get it. And I'm not telling believe me, I am the last guy to tell you, just slap a happy sticker face on your problems. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a person who chooses in the midst of this incredible, difficult time to say, I know I'm loved. I know he loves me. And because of that, I will stand in confidence and praise him. We will wonder at his love. Here's the last thing, number four. When we understand God's love for us, we will rest secure in him. Not only will the expression of our hearts be, God, I don't get this, but I, I love you, and I know I'm loved by you. And there's the praise. But in the midst of some of those struggles, when we understand God's love for us, we will rest secure in that love. Verse six, David says, I think about you before I go to sleep. And my thoughts turn to you during the night. Now, I'm not sure if he's talking about dreaming about God there. I think, because I know the story of David, that David's, like many of us, when he went through tough times, he tossed and turned and woke up a lot. And it says, my thoughts turn to you during the night. When I'm awake, when I'm frustrated, when I'm thinking about Absalom and his son who really messed up and was not a happy ending. When he's dealing with those realities, it says, but God, I think about you. My thoughts turn to you in the night. Do not answer out loud. But I want to ask you a question. What do your thoughts turn to during the night? Fear over your finances? Fear over your health? Worry and stress about a broken relationship? Anxiety about your kids or a friend or whatever? Well, here's something we all need to hear today. Here's something you need to hear right now. When we know his love, we will rest in his love. Let me say it again. When you know his love, you will rest in his love. Later in the same chapter, in Psalm 63, verse 8, David said, I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. David says, I cling. I am just wrapping myself around you, God. I am holding on to you because I know it's your right hand, your strong right hand that holds me securely. 
What are you clinging to right now? Are you clinging to your strength, to your ability to figure things out? Are you putting your confidence in your skills and your knowledge? Are you putting your confidence in your bank account or are you freaking out because of the lack of it? What, what are you focused on right now? I tell you from personal experience in my life and what I've seen in hundreds and hundreds of others, our single greatest comforter in life is the fact that we are loved by the one who, who loves us more than his own life, who sent his son to rescue us. One of my favorite Old Testament verses is found in Isaiah chapter 26. And I like the way the Amplified Bible translates it. So I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Version, Isaiah 26, 3. Isaiah said, you, God, will guard him and keep him or her in perfect and constant peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Old King James, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. That's how I memorized it as a kid. But it's this promise and, and this declaration that Isaiah says, God will keep you in perfect peace. How? Because you've got all the things you need and you can figure it all out? No. Because your mind is fixed on him. Because your heart is fixed on him. The word picture here is this incredible picture of a, of a, a guard standing sentry. I mean, think about a Marine with his rifle or, or a guard standing sentry. And it's the picture of a guard standing sentry over our minds, over our hearts, protecting us when we, fit, when we fix our hearts and minds on him, when we lean on him. And by the way, let me just insert this quickly because I know most of you are thinking, well, I don't know if I do that very well. I, I, I tried that, didn't work so good. Let me just tell you from experience again, this is something we got to keep coming back to again and again and again. I love 1 Peter 5, 7. Peter says, cast all your cares, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the, the understanding there, the way that verse is written in the New Testament, it doesn't say we do it one time. Hey, I've cast my cares on God. I've got peace now. I'm good. No, the, the idea is we keep casting. We keep throwing our burdens on him. We keep coming to him again and again and again. It is something that we've got to keep learning. We've got to keep developing. We've got to keep working on it, and we probably will all of our lives. Almost a year ago today, I was just a, a few days away from my own cancer surgery. And if you've been around you, you know what I went through. And dealing with that reality was one of the hardest things I've been through in a long time. And I wish I could tell you that I never had a moment of anxiety or stress or fear. If I told you those things, I would be lying, because it did not describe what I felt at times. And I'm laying in bed one night, and I wake up, and the brain starts going. You know what that's like? And I'm, I'm trying to everything I can to shut that off. Just don't go there, but I'm thinking, and my brain starts wondering, and I'm going through all this what-ifs. What-ifs will kill you, by the way. They're, they're worse than the disease. What if, and what about, and, and all of these things, and I'm stressing, and I'm anxious, and I literally, I don't know if it was a panic attack, but my heart starts racing. And I'm sweating in bed. I guess that is a panic attack. And I'm laying there thinking, oh, oh, oh. and I knew, I knew, I've learned enough to know that in that moment I can lay there in my pool of sweat and freak out and not get another, you know, ounce of sleep that night, or I can get up and pray. And I, I got up and I got on my face in the living room. I said, oh, God. 
I'm not afraid of death. I really, God, but I, I just feel like I've got so much life left in me. And I want my grandkids to know me. And I want to know all of my, and I just want, I just, I'm wailing and weeping. Oh, God. And I tell you, in the midst of that moment, <laughs> and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I heard it clearly. The Lord whispered to my heart, Kurt, I love you. I know, God. I, Kurt, I love you. And whether you live for a long time or because of this you come home sooner than you expected, it doesn't change the fact that I love you. I love you. Rest in my love. Well, I got up from that couch where I was kneeling and crying and with a little pool on the couch there for my tears, I got up, went back to bed, and went to sleep. Because I, I knew in that moment that I could rest in his love. Now, about a week later, after surgery, I'm recovering and had chronic hiccups for five days. I'm back there again. God, 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 help me. It was miserable. This is not something I think you're ever going to obtain and get to all on your own and stay there forever. But we keep coming back to him. And we will, listen to me, we will when we know his love. And when we know his love and when we remember his love and in those moments of anxiety and stress and even terror, when we come in those moments to this simple truth that God reminded me of that night, I love you. The Father says, I love you. And my love for you is greater and stronger than you can possibly imagine. When we know that love, that's when we'll rest in that love. In truth, when we understand the love of God for us and why his love for us is what it is, then it'll affect everything about everything in us. Everything about everything. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Father, I know just looking out around, throughout this room that many are struggling with huge issues right now. Physical things, God, financial things, relational things that have really been way bigger than them. And, and not for one moment, Lord, not for one moment do I want to just belittle those things or act like they're not a big deal. They're huge. But God, the truth is, the truth is, you're bigger. You're greater. You're stronger. Your love for us, God. It's more than we can possibly even comprehend. And yet, God, in this moment, right here, right now, I pray that you would again remind us that we are loved by the Father. And it is a tender love that will bring us the comfort we need, the rest we need, the peace we need, the wonder that we need. And so, Lord, I, I can't do this. I wish I could. But Holy Spirit, would you go right now to the very deepest part of our souls, that darkest part of us that's consumed with fear or anxiety or whatever, would you go right there right now, God? Go there right now and whisper into that place, I love you. Let us hear those words from the Father. We are loved. Because it's your love that changes us, Lord. It affects everything about everything in our life. Our circumstances may or may not change. Things may or may not go the way we want them to. But God, this constant, this remains our love from you and for you. That's what matters most. I'm going to ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. 
But you're thinking right now, man, if that's the way God loves me, and if he could love a guy like me or a woman like me, if he could love me in the midst of my brokenness and my mess, then I want to respond to that love. And you realize in this moment it's time for you to say yes to Jesus and to embrace the cross, the forgiveness that he, he made possible for you. And to begin your life as a disciple, a Christ follower today. And if that's you and you're ready, then just make this simple prayer yours right now. Father, forgive me. I come to you amazed, even in this moment, that you love me. And I can't, I can't begin to understand how. But I am so grateful for your forgiveness and your grace and your love. And I accept it today as that free gift from you. And I respond to that love, Lord, by surrendering my life to you, by giving my all to you. You gave your all for me, Jesus, and it's only right in response to that love that I give my love back to you. And so I do right now. I give it to you. My life, my love, my all is yours. Now, if that's you, whether you're sitting in this room right now or you're watching online, in your own way, just say, yes, God. That prayer, that's my prayer. That's what I want. And the Bible says the instant you do, that moment you do, you cross that line of faith and become a, a follower. It's the beginning of an incredible journey of love with Father God. Lord, for those that are making, that are making that decision now, show them what it means. For us, Lord, who've walked with you for a while, show us again what it means to be loved by the Father. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Anything else more than we give it to him? When we love anyone or anything or any activity or any whatever more than we love him, because he loves us so much, he knows that that's hard on us. That's going to be bad for us, that that's not good for us. His love is not, is, is not a jealous love out of his insecurities. It's out of his deep conviction that you will be the best you can be. You will know what you need to know and live the life you need to live when you love him most. And that's why his love is a jealous love. That's why he's jealous for you. Today, if you begin your life as a Christ follower, welcome to the greatest adventure you're ever going to experience on planet Earth and for eternity. I encourage you to tell someone, let them know. Say, hey, today I begin my life as a Christ follower. Back on the tables by the doors is a package for new Christians. Got a Bible. It's going to get you started walk with Jesus. Pick one of those up. Well, let us walk in this journey with you. Next Sunday, water baptism is going to be a fun, celebrative time. And I know some of you think, well, I don't know. I'll do it next time. You've been saying that for years. Go to the class, old lobby, second service, sign up, get baptized next week. I promise you it'll be one of those experiences where you'll experience the love of God in a whole new way, in a powerful way. My prayer for you, I hope for you, is that you'll go in the love of Jesus this week, in the awareness of that more than you ever have before. If you need prayer, pray to me, been out here, it can be as both sides of the room, but go this week, walk in the love of Jesus. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming.